Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And most recently, they even want to eliminate classes that teach, quote, gender ideology. Well, so what are we talking about here? Classes that teach women's history? Women's equality? The study of the fact that there are still only 25 women in the United States Senate in a body of 100? That's right. All those progressives who vote for men are sexist. Now, this is in no way the top story going on in America right now or the world, but it's just always important to hear where the mind of Vice President Kamala Harris is at at any one moment. (laughs) Not making any sense, not providing any value, just continuing with the division, with the divisiveness again and again and over and over and over. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, what's going on? Oh, I'll tell you what's going on with me. I'll tell you what's going on with me. I, I'll share my Meekum story. Anyone want to buy a car? I'll get to that story coming up. The top story is not even Joe Biden heading off to Japan in a helicopter. I'm about to uh, take off in a few minutes. Here's a helicopter out there to Japan. Not a helicopter, but to Andrews. The, uh, anyway, and to... Thank goodness he qualified that. For a second, I thought he was taking a helicopter to Japan. He's going to the G7, but he's not doing the full tour that he was going to do. No, he'll be coming back early because they've got the debt limit to deal with. The debt limit is not been agreed to, even though it is Republicans who have passed the legislation. Do not forget this. Republicans passed legislation to raise the debt limit, but to keep the spending levels at 2022 levels. This is what the Democrats call cuts. They refer to this as a cut. Now, you and I don't refer to that as a cut. We refer to this as smart spending. You don't have as much money. Things are more expensive. You got to roll things back. You got to keep within a budget. But what do you expect from people who constantly and continually lie to America, like, for example, about the deficit? I'm proud of the progress my administration has made. We reduced the deficit in the first two years by $1.7 trillion in the first two years. And I propose the budget to reduce another $3 trillion over the next decade. The deficit has not been reduced by Joe Biden. That did not happen. The amount of fact checks on did Joe Biden bring down the national debt by $1.7 trillion. Remember, there's a difference between deficit and debt. Deficit is the amount year by year that you're running under, uh, you're running over uh, what it is you've brought in, what you're borrowing. And debt is the accumulation. We have $31.5 trillion in debt. That's the debt. 
the $1.7 trillion figure that Biden is pushing right there is a reduction in the national deficit between fiscal years 2020 and 2022. But we've been doing more spending. We've contributed to the debt. So the reduction of the deficit conversation is false. It is not a real look at the numbers. It's a manipulation of the numbers. That's what we're talking about here. Not coming clean, not being honest with America. And of course, fellow leftists will continue this lie. President Biden under his administration, in addition to all of the significant legislative accomplishments that occurred in the last Congress, including around infrastructure or the Chips and Science Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. The Inflation Reduction Act was about spending. That did not reduce the deficit. It was about spending for a Green New Deal where Senator Joe Manchin allowed himself, allowed himself to be screwed over. He was going to stand up to the unnecessary spending. He was going to say no to the unnecessary spending. And all of a sudden, you rename the spending, the Inflation Reduction Act, and he's like, oh, the Inflation Reduction Act? Why did anybody tell me? Well, this is awesome. I'm going to vote for this, and everything's going to be super groovy. But of course, he came out months later to say, well, wait a second, this isn't really reducing inflation. I got lied to. You didn't know you were being lied to? You didn't know that it was fraud? You didn't know that it was a bunch of garbage? You didn't know you were screwing over the American people? Of course you did, Boo Bear. Of course you knew. You knew, and you did it anyway. Maybe that's why he's uh, involved in a political fight for re-election. I'll get to that story coming up in a little bit. It's this whole kind of story about what happens when people realize that the things that you and I have been talking about actually do affect them. I'll, I'll get to that. In, in a little bit. Back to the debt limit. I'm here to tell you that I am not in a panic. Let's argue that June 1st is going to come. Argue for lack of a better word, guys. It's you, me, it's a bourbon, it's a bar stool. Let's argue that June 1st is going to come. And as Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen has explained, we're no longer going to have a limit to borrow and we're going to default on paying back our loans. Oh my God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. Now, many people might be freaking out. I don't think you or I should be those people. If I listen to Kevin McCarthy, who just yesterday was saying it looks it's it's as if the Biden administration doesn't want to actually negotiate. They just want to look like they're negotiating. Now he's saying in an interview with CNBC that he doesn't think there's going to be a default that talks are progressing. Well, that's kind of interesting. 
How did we get to a level of change so quickly? A little word from uh, Speaker McCarthy. And joining us now, Speaker of the House, uh, California Representative Kevin McCarthy. It's been great to have you on. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. But um, it, it was noted that <clears throat> I think yesterday morning you sounded pretty pessimistic and it, it was a, a real change in tone uh, by, a, after the meeting. W- what happened exactly? Can you give us any insight into that? Well, the difference is... Um our meetings before were staffers of the four leaders, and there was no time that we were going to get an agreement continuing that way. What we really have to do is what every time before was able to do. The president uh, should appoint either himself or people from his administration to negotiate directly with myself, something that Mitch McConnell has said, something that uh, President Trump did with Nancy Pelosi, with Bush and Obama did before. That is a structure that could actually find a way that we can come to fruition. The challenge here is the president waited 104 days till he came to this conclusion. I went in February 1st. I said... No new taxes and no clean debt ceiling, but everything else is on the table. I want to be reasonable. I want to be sensible. But more importantly, we want to be responsible. And he ignored us, said we couldn't have a negotiations. Um, now is the final time that he finally admitted we're going to negotiate and we have a structure to negotiate. The problem is the timeline is very short. But Republicans are the only one who have passed a bill to limit, save and grow, to raise the debt ceiling and actually make the economy stronger. The key commentary here is that Biden seems like he's now ready to negotiate. Now, that's very, very different because what we were told by Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, and what we've been told by the administration again and again and again and again is that there is no negotiation because it is Congress's constitutional duty to spend whatever we tell them to spend. That's a very good question, uh, uh, Mika. But let me just say this and just kind of reiterate, and thank you for having me on, what the president said yesterday. Uh, The president and congressional leaders had a productive meeting. They had a direct conversation on the importance of making sure America does not default on our debt for the first time. And so that's one part of the conversation that they had. The other part of it is to make sure that there is a responsible, bipartisan budget agreement that gets to his desk. And like you stated in in the beginning of your question to me, Mika, yes, there are a range of issues uh, that uh, they need to discuss. The president directed his staff to have this conversation on the staff level and to deal with uh, what, how we get to, uh, how we get to a a bipartisan, again, reasonable agreement on the budget. Notice how she starts with the, it's up to them. They have to do this. And then he directed his staff and they had to come to some bipartisan agreement. Oh, my. In any other situation and any other situation means if it was a Republican administration, we'd be hearing about caving. We'd be hearing about how uh, they they blinked and they were forced to negotiate. They should have been negotiating from the beginning. This is what it took. They should have been negotiating from the beginning. Well, now it seems like they are. So I'm here to say it once again, as clear as day. Do not get yourself worked up. 
over over any of this. It's valueless to get yourself worked up. It will do you no good to get worked up over this. I don't want to default. I want want to be clear uh, about that. I don't see that as a valuable moment in our life. But that said, if these people can't figure this out, what do you want me to do? I voted for you to figure this out. If you won't figure it out, I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm simply going to vote for somebody else who will. That's our job. America is a machine. The elected officials are cogs. If the cog doesn't work, out, put in a new one. That's me putting in a new cog. That's what elections are for. Let's actually use them. But get worked up? Nah. Because it seems to me that the Biden administration has figured out they're going to have to do something here. So, go do. I'm going to sip my bourbon and not worry about a thing, Boo Bear. As a matter of fact, it's a gorgeous day out. Why am I not outside? You know what? I got, I, we should be doing the show outside. This is ridiculous. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Let's talk about trust. Let's talk about faith. And these missing things from our society and how dangerous and damaging it all really is. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Um, I'll share with you a story a little later of something that happened to me last night. And it's not like anything happened to me. I, I, I'm fine. My life wasn't in danger. Nothing nothing like, like that. Um, it's that I my, my noticing of blood sport which has become the political world. Um, I started applying that to other things that I'm seeing culturally. And these things that are fed via social media, and maybe it's because I'm looking for it. Or maybe it's because it's just all there is. But then I'll see things, let's say, on my Facebook feed. I don't use Facebook at all. Uh, Facebook is is garbage and and untrustworthy. I, I saw things yesterday where I was like, Dude, is this porn? Like it was crazy. I'll 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 get into it. But the faith and the trust conversation really does expand out from this Durham report that the left is trying to play down and deny, and they're calling a dud and all these things. Why? The Durham report says something very very important which is the trust that you don't have in the institutions and in the leadership and in the nation is, has been well earned. Very, very well earned. To follow up on that, I came across this guys over at newsbusters putting this together. Tim Graham reporting a poll a Harris poll from the new, a new website called The Messenger. Now, I think The Messenger is interesting. I know very little about it. I do know that Joe Concha, who is a regular over at, at Fox, he has left the hill to head over to The Messenger. So Harris X did the poll. Two in three voters 
agreed that journalists mostly practice advocacy rather than unbiased journalists. Unbiased journalism, this includes 77% of Republicans and 61% of Democrats. Three in four voters agree that media, quote, gives a biased picture of political events. 68% of Democrats, 80% of Republicans, 76% of independents. Um, well-earned. Well-earned. And I say this as a guy who's on the radio. Am I considered in that part of, of media? You listen to the conversations we have here. I discuss issues. I give my opinion to them. I don't claim to be a journalist. I've never claimed to be a journalist. But if you were to take a look at the totality of things that we talk about and all the angles in which we speak about it and share all the data, we give a much more well-rounded thought to what's going on so everybody understands all of the pieces as opposed to anything CNN and MSNBC have given over the last 10 years. The Durham report proves something we already knew. CNN and MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, the New York Post, not sorry, the New York Post, the New York Times, the Washington Post, etc., all lied about Trump and Russia, 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 and never once investigated the source, which was Hillary Clinton. What was the point of doing that? It didn't move the narrative. It did not support their advocacy. The trust issue is the thing. And the the idea that we're going to get the institutions to change on a dime and all of a sudden be trustworthy is of course nonsense. We're not going to do that. It isn't going to happen. What we have to do is avoid those people who are lying to us. We have to proactively step away from the people lying to us and those who support those who are lying to us. It's why you hear me say support the sponsors. You listen to this radio show, you listen to other radio shows, you listen to podcasts, you engage in content, support those sponsors so they know that they're supporting the right things. It's extremely important. The whole Bud Light thing kind of proves we can do it. We can do it if we stay focused on it and also uh, uh, expressing your disgust with how Bud Light treated you was so easy. You could just buy Miller Light or Coors Light and then you realized maybe you can't buy Miller Light or Coors Light and you're like, all right, I guess I'm going, I guess I'm going craft. I guess I'm going craft. I'm going to make my own beer now. Honey, clean out the bathtub. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a porter right in the bathtub. Little Tommy could take a shower. I know he's six months old, but whatever. Tell the kid to stand up and don't forget to 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 wash all the parts. Stinks down there. I mean, that's maybe where we're at. But the 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 trust that you don't have in in them, that's not about you. That's about them. You not trusting them is the rational response. It is. But in order to really further understand this, let's listen to all the people who want to tell you that the Durham report doesn't mean anything and you understand nothing. I'll get into that coming up. This is Tony Katz today.
So 24 hours of understanding that the Durham report told us what we know. Hillary Clinton came up with the idea and her team, her campaign team, to connect Trump with the Russians as a way of deflecting from her email server disaster. We know that John Brennan, the then director of the CIA, briefed President Obama, Vice President Biden, FBI Director James Comey, and others, including the Attorney General Loretta Lynch, about this. From there, the FBI was still willing to open an investigation. We knew that the source of the Steele uh, dossier could not be trusted, and the subsource had already been dropped from the FBI as being untrustworthy. We know what they did with FISA warrants, lying to the FISA court to be able to surveil members of the Trump team. One of the reasons you and I are not surprised by what was in the Durham report, although we may have been amazed by the level of detail to which these people were manipulative, lying, and working to subvert the duly elected president of the United States and certainly did not care thing one about the peaceful transfer of power. Remember how that used to be an important subject. We were not surprised because we honestly addressed the situation, and the data that was coming out. We did it again and again and again and again. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Let's start with a baseline. Anybody want to tell me that the the uh, Trump-Russia collusion stuff is, is serious, that it happened? You've got some piece of data we don't? 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Show me. Talk to me. I want to hear this. I can't wait to hear this. How you've got it understood and figured out. When it is very clear from the Durham report that absolutely no one, no one, no one, would have ever investigated this, thought this possible. No part of it was credible. The FBI is offering up a million dollars for proof and nothing can come? Yeah, that's because nothing was there. We are not surprised by this. Neither are we surprised at the numbers of people who were so willing right away, as quickly as possible, to say that the Durham report is a dud. Uh, The Durham report doesn't say anything. Willing to put Andrew McCabe, former FBI deputy director, who got fired for lying to FBI agents, they put him on TV. I mean, CNN hired the man, for the love of God. They put Peter Strzok, the guy who was in the text exchange with his lover, Lisa Page. They put him on TV to explain how Durham really, really doesn't even understand how things work.
when Corinne Jean-Pierre got pressed on these questions, man, she did everything but run out of the room. No, wait, she did. What is the White House reaction to Special Counsel Durham's report on how the FBI handled the Trump-Russia probe? I would leave it to the Department of Justice to speak to. The President talks often about how he wants the DOJ and FBI to remain independent and, um, you know, above the fray. That report seems to reflect the opposite. Is, does he agree with uh, Special Counsel Durham that there needs to be wholesale changes at the FBI? Again, that is uh, with the Department of Justice. That's not something that I'm going to speak from the podium. As you just stated in your question, we believe in an independent uh, de- Department of Justice. That's what the president said when he was running, and that's what he, the president has said the last two years. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys in Japan. And off she went. You believe in an independent Department of Justice? Joe Biden, as vice president, knew that the whole thing was concocted by Hillary and stayed quiet as the DOJ, through the FBI, engaged in the investigation. By the way, when you've got the president, the vice president, the attorney general, the director of the FBI and others all looking the other way and saying, yeah, let's investigate this thing that we know is fake and we know is a fraud and we know is uh, perpetrated by the Clintons. That's not collusion. That's not a criminal conspiracy. That's not treason. That isn't the government working to attack the citizen. How how, how could you even think such a thing? 833 got 833-468-8669. How could you think such a thing? But you start listening to these people who want to tell you that everything Durham says doesn't mean anything. How everybody uh, knows that Durham's got it wrong and and it's it's just a, a big hot mess uh, that Durham put out here because he's got nothing and he's desperately trying to save face. How about the fact that Adam Schiff, representative from California, pencil neck, I believe is what uh, Trump called him, told you repeatedly that he had proof of Trump collusion with Russia. Don't remember? Here, maybe this will help. Again and again and again, starting with 2017, starting in 2017, Adam Schiff told people that he had the data. And even when pressed on it, he's like, look, I can't say everything, but. Uh, and but, I think but you admit uh, that, it's uh, a circum. All you have right now is a circumstantial case. Uh, actually, no, Chuck. Uh, I, I can tell you that the case is more than that, uh, and I can't go into the particulars. But there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, um, again, I think so. You have seen direct evidence of collusion. 
Uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial uh, and uh, and is very much worthy of investigation. So is th there has been a report from CNN that uh, Wednesday night that there that the FBI was looking into collusion uh, with, with the Russians and the Trump campaign uh, w uh, in terms of spreading information about Hillary Clinton's campaign. Is th do you have any information to back that up? Uh, I'm not sure uh, that I can comment on that. Uh, I can say that I think that the investigation that the director talked about at our Monday hearing uh, is justified. Uh, I think there is a sufficient basis for that investigation, not to only to have been initiated, uh, but for it to continue at this point. And I don't have a concern with other members characterizing the evidence as they have, and many of them have said they think there's no evidence of collusion. My disagreement with those members is I don't think that's accurate, okay. uh, and I feel an obligation to say so. Wow. So they can call it a fishing expedition. They can call it a witch hunt. It's all an aligned message with the White House. But nonetheless, real evidence is coming forward that just can't be ignored. Real evidence that you're telling me John Durham couldn't find? Real evidence that wasn't available to John Durham? I'm sorry, I have a hard time believing such a thing. I have a hard time thinking that that's possible. This evidence that Adam Schiff is talking about, are you saying that he had it and didn't present it to John Durham in order to, if anything, keep uh, uh, prove that he was legit? Does that make sense to anybody? If you're Adam Schiff, John Durham is investigating, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you say, hey, here it is. It doesn't make any sense. And the reason he didn't, and the reason he hasn't shown you in the last one, two, three, four, five, six years is because there is no evidence. It's because Adam Schiff lied. It is the only logical conclusion that can be made. He lied. That's what happened. As a matter of fact, I think you'd be out of your head to think otherwise. Just like you'd be out of your head to think that the Obama administration was really interested in having a peaceful transition of power. Do you believe this? When we talk about Trump or they talk about Trump and they talk about 2020, everything was predicated on how important it was to have a peaceful transfer of power that's what makes america and i happen to believe this to be true i forget the special that i was watching and somebody noted that they were there with their father at the white house when richard nixon resigned and their father's point to them was you see this we simply changed presidents and not a shot was fired there's no blood in the streets that's who we are and I believe that to be very, very true. But that is not how the Obama administration saw it. If they knew, as the report states, because the briefing took place, there are handwritten notes 
that Barack Obama, the 44th president of the United States, knew that Hillary Clinton invented the whole thing, and yet his DOJ, his FBI, they still decided to investigate? Let's take a walk down the road of when President Obama thought a peaceful transfer of power was important. To help with that... Yeah, sometimes you need a montage. Starting at November 10th, 2016. The peaceful transition of power is one of the hallmarks of our democracy. And over the next few months, we are going to show that to the world. My number one priority in the coming two months is to try to facilitate a transition that ensures our president-elect is successful. Part of that is also facilitating a decent transition so that, uh, you know, the American people are as well-served as they can be with the incoming uh, administration. But I do feel a responsibility as president of the United States to make sure that I facilitate a good transition. Democracy depends on a peaceful transition of power, especially when you don't get the results you want. The outcomes of elections don't always turn out the way you would hope. And then you, you know, we're going through that in the United States, and I'm doing everything I can to help facilitate uh, a successful transition with the president-elect. No, you turned your back and allowed an investigation to happen when you knew it was fraudulent. That's what happened. And what do you mean the election didn't turn out the way we wanted it to? It clearly turned out the way America wanted it to. This is the system. The system worked. Americans said something. We want something different, and Hillary Clinton can't be trusted. And we should also state, as many people have already said, do you understand how absolutely awful Hillary Clinton was as a candidate, and I would argue is as a person, that with all of this and all of the efforts and all the people on her side to try and sway an election, she still lost. No, just me? Just, 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 all right, just me. I'm good, just me. Woo! There was no push for a peaceful transition of power. There was no desire for a peaceful transition of power. And everything that, there's an expression, there's a theory that everything that the progressive left accuses you of doing, that's what they're doing. It's all projection. Everything they accuse you of is a thing that they're doing. For example, they accuse you of culture wars. Every day, the political right is accused of engaging in a culture war. You don't want porn in your kid's school library. You're engaged in a culture war. But they're the ones putting porn in your kid's school library. You're just noticing. And for noticing, you must be branded. For noticing, you should be attacked and vilified. It's something else. It really is. Uh, Me, um, I'm going to make sure we are reminded of this every day. And anybody on the political left who wants to tell me that Obama had a scandal-free presidency, uh, sit down. You look weird. And you're a lying fraud. 
The Durham report at least shows that. And we'll just keep reminding you of it. I'm Tony Katz. In Chicago, the local ABC affiliate has a story about how government treats the citizen. Chicago put in cameras, 162 speed cameras near parks and schools. And if a driver is going six to 10 miles over the limit, they get a ticket. And the city is bringing in millions of dollars. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I get the point. I get the point. You're not supposed to be speeding. I get the point. But you understand that the placement of these cameras isn't about the safety. It's about the money. And it's about getting people used to the idea that there should be a camera in your face. That everywhere you go, there should be a camera on you. That we have decided to Chinaify our society. The cameras have led to a 2% reduction in um, the total number of tickets, if you will. Yet overall, they're giving out more and making millions. That's not about safety. That's about money. I'm Tony Katz.